This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. 1249, it's Stock Picker Monday. Apple's spending a billion dollars to open its first East Coast campus. It's in North Carolina. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the week ahead includes important data on inflation, plus new spending and tax proposals from the White House. We're joined by Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist at Wells Fargo here in D.C. Richard, let's begin with inflation. A lot of people don't think about that. It's it's not something that they're really even focused on, and yet it is a considerable issue as we rebound from this pandemic. Oh, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I think most economists agree that we're likely to see more inflation this year. For no other reason, a lot of the sectors of the economy that are reopening, travel, tourism, and the like, are going to bolster their prices. Uh, the bigger question is, is that part of a trend or is it a blip? Uh, so the court's out on this. Uh, my own view is that it's not the start of a trend, and uh, we haven't seen high inflation for the better part of a quarter century at this point. Uh, in my view, it's unlikely with unemployment still elevated, for example, uh, that we're going to be seeing any return to the 1970s, as many have feared. Uh, but yes, short term, I think we'll see more price inflation. And we have the president who's going to address Congress. He's going to talk about his budget and some spending proposals, a lot of things being talked about. We're not exactly sure what will be in there. But there is an expectation that there'll be some more taxes to pay for it. Well, that's absolutely right. So we've got basically two plans coming out of the Biden administration. Uh, The first part, the American Jobs Plan. The second part, the American Families Plan. Uh, the second one's still pretty murky. The first one, however, is not. They've been very clear on that. Uh, sometimes billed as an infrastructure uh, uh, act or a, or a jobs act. It's $2.3 trillion in spending over the next eight years, mostly covered uh, by corporate taxes, an increase in the corporate tax rate and some minimums. Uh, the newer uh, plan, the American Families Act, uh, is a little different. Uh, not infrastructure. It's more about social services. And this will entail, in all likelihood, taxes on uh, individuals, uh, albeit the president has promised that only people with an annual income of $400,000 or more uh, will be affected. So that uh, that understanding maybe make it a little more palatable in Congress? Um, a little bit, <laughs> uh, yeah. but not entirely. Uh, sure. I mean, taxing the rich is is always more acceptable than taxing everybody. Uh, But there's still a large contingent that oppose tax increases, period, end of story. So it's going to face some choppy going. Uh, I don't think either of these, frankly, will get through Congress as presented. Uh, But that's not unusual. Uh, Negotiating and some horse trading will go on. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, looking back on this 12 months from now, we're going to see some version of each of these passed. 
uh, but again, uh, somewhat reduced in, relative to their initial presentation. So let's talk about, uh, I guess, what is expected. We'll talk with an analyst later more about this. you, you got big tech that's going to be reporting its earnings. Uh, a kind of interesting movement there, given the fact that the stay-at-home economy that was so good for so many in the tech sector, it's kind of a shifting economy now. Well, it absolutely is. And, you know, we're starting to get the results of surveys of businesses and individuals, and it looks like um, probably a quarter of employees uh, will be opting for some kind of new, flexible, uh, increased work from home, which is not to say what we've had in the past year for many people, which has been full-time work from home, but some kind of hybrid system. And that, of course, increases the reliance on various information technologies to do that. Uh, so um, it looks like we're, we've had a, a permanent effect as a result of COVID on the way people work. And I'll just say one last thing on that, which is it seems uh, that the effect is mostly positive, and not in terms of just people's uh, preferences, but in terms of productivity. Uh, we're not seeing any kind of sacrifice of productivity uh, on the whole uh, for this uh, new environment where people are increasingly working from home. So uh, if there's a silver lining in this uh, tragedy that we've all been through and continue to go through, uh, that may be one of them. Thank you so much, Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist at Wells Fargo, based in Washington, D.C. Just ahead, Apple has big plans for expansion. Apple revealed plans to open a new campus in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. We welcome Scott Kessler, Global Sector Lead, Third Bridge in New York. Scott, kind of give us a little sketch here of what Apple's doing. Yeah, thanks a lot, Cisco. So, I mean, a couple of things. Um, I think the headline is actually that Apple's indicating they're spending uh, $430 billion um, in U.S. investments uh, over a five-year period. Um, That's not necessarily um, de novo because they had previously indicated, uh, I think just three years ago, that they were going to be spending $350 billion over five years. Uh, So we see a bump up there of $80 billion. But as you, I think, rightly pointed out, I think from this announcement, people are really gleaning one of the major headlines um, being a new um, billion-dollar North Carolina campus, uh, which I think people are taking interest in. And also Apple um, highlighted um, some of the other investments that they've been making um, in offices and other facilities around the country. Yeah, I mean, Apple, they, they got the one that's opening up in Austin, Texas. What's the benefit to Apple instead of keeping everyone located in one site? What's the benefit of opening these other campuses? You know, I think, Cisco, one of the things that people are thinking about right now is just what the future of work is, what the future of offices is. And Apple seems to be going full steam ahead. You know, they opened up a new Um, very large facility, um, office space um, in Cupertino, which is where they've been located, uh, I think, for pretty much their entire history. As you pointed out, I think they're set to um, open up their uh, facility in Austin, I think, within the next year or so. Um, And then this um, office campus, if you will, um, is going to kick off, and it'll be – presumably Apple's third um, significant facility in the U.S., and I find it interesting that they seem to be moving eastward. Um, And I think 
there is significance to that to the extent that I think Apple wants to be um, where the talent is. And I think talent is not just, you know, on the West Coast or um, in other places. They want to be um, all across the country. And some of that talent is going to stay wherever it is. They're not necessarily going to move to California just because they want to work for Apple. Yeah, and I think that's something that people definitely weighed and, and maybe even decided on um, over the last number of years. But now that Apple um, seems to be very open to establishing and growing um, establishments around the country, I think this gives people more options. But I think it also um, allows Apple to tap into local talent, and it's not lost on us. Um, that um, the Research Triangle area in North Carolina has been for years known as um, uh, an IT hotbed, if you will. And so it makes sense um, that they would be committing capital to that part of the country. Thanks so much for all the insight. Good stuff. That's Scott Kessler, Global Sector Lead at Third Bridge in New York. Apple stock today is up a little, about a quarter of a percent at 134.63. Up next, rumors are flying about a huge tax on crypto capital gains. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. There's nothing official, but a lot of rumors that the government is considering a major tax on crypto. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Uh, Michael, I mean, what we're hearing, you know, up to 80 percent, it could be pretty significant. Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on. You know, uh, that's a, a possibility. That's what's floating around. But it would be, a, I think, a disastrous and arrogant move on the U.S. government's part because crypto, uh, Bitcoin in particular, is traded worldwide and is decentralized. So all that's going to do is cause a lot of investors to move assets overseas. And China is embracing uh, cryptocurrency, and they're actually testing a digital yuan as we speak. So you're basically uh, have a country like the U.S. trying to ban it, and and yet its main rival uh, economically is actually embracing it. So what, how do you think that's going to turn out? I mean, I don't I don't think that that's the way the U.S. government should be playing this. And I mean, even if it's say you know the eighty percent is what's being floated, but it ends up being fifty or sixty, it's still going to be significant. Yeah, so you have to be uh, competitive with your main rivals, right? So anything that's significantly worse than China and Europe is going to be a deal breaker. So uh, it's going to cause all it's going to do is cause capital to go as it always does to where it's best treated. So it, crypto capital will go somewhere else. So it's not the sort of thing, you know, interesting that because it's global, there's sort of a difference in how it might handle. Uh, it's not like it's going to stunt the growth of crypto or, or sort of stop it altogether where you might if you were you had another technology that was just up and coming and you put a lot of taxes on it. Well, yeah, because, again, Bitcoin's been around long enough, it's established. So all that's going to happen is it might be a short-term, uh, you know, catalyst for a sell-off, and that's actually what did happen here. But now we're rallying back because people are realizing that once 50,000, you know, support was broken and then it rallied back over it, people are buying it back up because the bottom line is the U.S. can't stop this. And I know the U.S. is used to stopping whatever it wants, but... It's not going to be able to stop it. The only thing that's going to stop Bitcoin is if, if there's an actual technology problem. It's not going to be some country, even the United States, trying to stop it. It will be a technology problem or a security problem, which so far has not happened. 
There's also, beyond crypto, there's also reports that the president wants to increase uh, capital gains taxes in general up to 40%. His press secretary so far not wanting to confirm that, wanting to allow the president to make the announcement. Uh, and that, I remember when it was announced, kind of spooked Wall Street. The markets dipped for a while right on that, as soon as that rumor was circulated. Right. So, you know, I don't think that will end up getting passed uh, because, again, now you're talking about Europe and Asia, be, you know, being in a, in a competitive situation where you, you don't want to cause people to move their money or to move overseas over taxation. Uh, and, there, you know, I think that's what, what this would cause. And I think the street is kind of brushing it off overall because I don't think the street believes it's really going to happen. And, and I, I think that's probably correct that it won't happen. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A Chicago restaurant group will require employees to get the coronavirus vaccine by midsummer. The intensity of a COVID wave is staggering the country of India. Your health could one day be monitored through a wearable electronic skin. And it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of investing ideas from a money pro. On Wall Street, a mixed day, but no significant movement. The Dow is down 23. The Nasdaq is up 87. And the S&P is up six points. Oil is flat today. We have sunshine in Chicagoland right now, 66 degrees. We'll get up into the mid-70s later this afternoon. A large Chicago hospitality company is requiring its workers to be fully vaccinated against coronavirus by mid-summer. WBBM's Rob Hart with the details. The 50-50 restaurant group is behind such names as the Berkshire Room, Roots Handmade Pizza, and the Westtown Bakery. Cranes reports it sent a memo to its 400 employees saying they must be fully vaccinated by July 15th. Co-owner Scott Weiner says the vaccine requirement protects employees, customers, and their families. Employees who are pregnant, disabled, have a medical condition, or a religious exemption can talk to management. Rob Hart, News Radio 105.9 FM. The COVID crisis in India is creating heartbreak and desperation. Funeral pyres in the capital, Delhi. This worker fears they may have to start cremating bodies in the streets. I've never seen such a terrifying situation. I can't believe that we're in the capital of India. People aren't getting oxygen and they're dying like animals. Doctors describe patients dying by the dozens from lack of oxygen tanks. India's prime minister is under fire for encouraging mass rallies and religious gatherings, even as the death rate was rising. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. It's 12.32. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed. No big movement, though, today. The Dow down 25. The Nasdaq is up 87. And the S&P is up six points. Let's talk about it with Tim Grisky, Chief Investment Strategist at Inverness Council in New York. Tim, what do you make of what you're seeing? Kind of sluggish on the markets today. Good afternoon, Cisco. Uh, well, it, a bit of a quiet day, but I think, you know, the Nasdaq is actually up, uh, you know, 0.6% here. So, uh, a pretty good day for the NASDAQ. And NASDAQ has been on a run here uh, really for a while. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the big news in the market. Uh, in February and March, it was all about cyclicals, companies that were going to benefit from the reopening of the economy. Uh, 
Uh, and here in April, it's really cha- turned around again, and we're back to what I call it to be tech plus. Uh, and that uh, the NASDAQ certainly represents that being very technology weighted. Uh, and, uh, you know, that that's that group of stocks, those tech and big users of tech are the ones that are leading here and have been all month. Yeah, it's interesting that for a while, the tech stocks for many investors have sort of been the go to stock. I mean, they were, they were kind of sexy. There's a lot of growth. Uh, what do you see? I realize we're speaking generally here, but what do you see as far as valuations go? Is that still a place for people to be considering putting their money or do they even have a choice whether they put it there or not? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, in terms of the larger tech stocks, the valuations are not that bad at all relative to where they were historically uh, or even to the overall market. Yes, they're at a premium to the average stock, but the growth is so strong, especially in, in, the, in the larger names, the, the really the big tech names, the fangs and, and all of that. The, the smaller tech stocks, the valuations really got out of control, I think, earlier this year. Uh, and those valuations, we think, are still elevated. So we would be still cautious about smaller tech, uh, but we'd still be very op- op- optimistic about larger tech. We think the valuations are there and certainly the growth is there. It's interesting with some of the, the tech stocks, I'm thinking Amazon, for example, that, that are really expensive compared to a lot of other stocks, most other stocks. I mean, Amazon today, thirty three seventy five a share. That may keep some people from getting on board because they go, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to wait for that to come down. You know, I'm not going to spend that much money. And yet there were people when Amazon was 400 that said it was too expensive. Sometimes you have to get on board because these companies are so big and doing so well, their, their stock price may never come down. Well, you know, there, there will be opportunities, but, you know, those opportunities can be far and few between. And if you stick in some of these names for the long term, I really think you're going to do extremely well and have a much smoother ride than you would jumping in and out of whether it's cyclicals or small cap tech where you're going to see some winners, but you're going to see a lot of losers, too. So I think these these larger established names are great names. They're under some pressure from the government in terms of, uh, you know, their size uh, and their diversity that might end up. Uh, making them split up, the government making them split up into separate companies, but the value will still be there, whether they're as a whole or in pieces. When it comes to uh, investing and and where people are putting their money now for a while, some people have wondered, okay, do you need to be conservative with a portion of it, especially given what we're hearing about taxes? We don't know whether they're going to go up or not, but there's been a lot of rumors about capital gains increases. Uh, How does that end up impacting how conservative people are with those portfolios? Well, I, it's it's critical. Uh, you know, you've got to have a time frame in terms of your investments. So if you're going to need the money sooner rather than later, so anytime I'd say over the next several years, you should have uh, certainly a mix of stocks and bonds, if not half and half between those two uh, asset classes. If you've got a longer term time frame, if these if this is IRA money or money for your children or or late in life, and you've got years till till you're going to need it, uh, you can really you know put your money into stocks and you know survive the little ups and downs that occur all the time and not worry about it as long as you sleep well.
Yes, exactly. That's key. Thank you so much, Tim Grisky, Chief Investment Strategist at Inverness Council. Just ahead, doctors could one day be able to track a patient's health through electronic skin. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Researchers in Japan say they've developed an electronic skin that has major implications for health tracking. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show. Paul, help us understand, what is this electronic skin? Yeah, they call it e-skin, and it's they're, they're touting it as the next generation of wearables. And the idea is that any sort of data that your body creates, basically, you know, heart rate, uh, blood pressure, you name it, and all kinds of other things, sensors that can pick up signals um, and electrical impulses from muscle movement, those are all tracked by something that's about a millimeter thick, and it's made of polyvinyl alcohol. It's very strange, but cool, flexible material. It's applied to your chest with a little water. Uh, it sticks to and can stay on there for uh, you know as much as a week. So the benefit is that it's constant monitoring. It's not like, hey, I don't feel so well. I'm going to go get my blood pressure checked. It's on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And for somebody who has, for example, a heart condition, um, this could be a huge benefit because it can be tracked from remotely by doctors. So that's the big benefit is you generate lots of real-time data. And the other benefit is that it can be tracked and you can be supported by those who are not right next to you. And because it's just right on your skin, it seems like the discomfort, you know, it's not bulky. It's not something that you're really carrying around with you. That may make it not only easier, but make it more likely that people actually use something like this. Well, that's exactly right. And by the way, the, the real the, the moment of truth is when you remove it. OK. <laughs> and, you know, so there are some men uh, have hair on their chest. Um, I, I cop to that. And I know that removing something that has something sticky on it from my chest is not something I look forward to. <laughs> but I will I will say this. It does not have an adhesive. Again, it's water that basically creates the bond. It is not something that's it's not sticky insofar as when you pull it off, it hurts. The other thing to think about is a lot of folks have something like this now. Um, somebody I know has an implanted defibrillator because they have a heart condition and it does it is constantly monitored uh, by the by the hospital and uh, it always defibrillates if it's needed and that's all great except for it had to be implanted in this situation e-skin is literally placed on the chest now this is also has implications for athletes who want to really understand the nuance especially elite athletes who want to know the nuances of their workout regime and everything else is a huge potential benefit for them, too. Yeah, it would help them even know in a game, you know, what's going on with their body during a game. Look, there are endurance athletes. It, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. In real time, athletes are gen they're exquisitely aware of their, you know, what their body's doing, but they don't know at the molecular level, obviously. And for example, if you're starting to generate lots of, uh, of basically acid that, you know, is generated when you do too much, in other words, you've overtrained, it could tell you right away. So you could step back from that edge, keep your body in exactly where it wants to be, uh, and make sure that the benefit of your workout, or in the case of a game, um, you're doing exactly what you need to right up to the limit so it maximizes your efficiency. Now, of course, whenever we talk about anything tech and we hear doctors can monitor it remotely, uh, there are people who yeah. are going to wonder, can someone else somehow tap into that? Well, you know what? Let's let's hear it for security at this point. Um, <laughs> I think for all of us, we've talked about this a number of times, you know, we, we give up Lots of data and information in return for convenience. In this situation, is it secure? Could someone else monitor it? <clears throat> I think the risk is there, of course. But again, it's no more or less risky than any device or tracking or even camera that you put in your house that obviously is monitored remotely. You have to depend on the security system of the company that developed it. But I, I, I have high hopes.
Yeah, good insight. Thanks so much. Really fascinating use of tech. That's Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. At this time tomorrow, Travel Tuesday, still to come today, our Monday stock picker. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Wealth Management Group. Helping us out this afternoon, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter, Chuck, always good to have you on the show. What's your first pick? Uh, the first pick is a transportation stock, uh, FedEx, symbol is FDX. The stock trades for about $275 a share. Uh, you have to have some transportation stocks in a portfolio. The, the Dow Jones transportation average has been doing extre- exceptionally well and has been moving to new all-time highs, and the strength of that index is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm fairly bullish on what's going to happen in the economy for the remainder of this year. FedEx gives you nice representation in that space. Uh, the company has beaten the consensus earnings estimates over the last four quarters. With FedEx, you can play a variety of themes, both the growth in e-commerce, uh, the improvement in, in business activity, uh, and you can get it at a pretty reasonable price. The stock trades at just 15 times. It's 2021 earnings estimates. So it's, it's a nice package in the transportation stock that is still offering what I think is reasonable value. So that's FedEx, symbol FDX, stock trades for $275 a share. You know, let's talk again a little more about the importance of having some sort of transportation in your portfolio. Well, I mean, it's such an important part of, of the overall economy. And it's one, I mean, it's, a, it's probably the, the best direct play if you do believe the economic situation is going to improve, if you like that reopening theme, uh, and you know you have to have a transportation stock. I've never been a huge fan of the airlines to play that, but I have been a huge fan of FedEx over the years, and I think now's a reasonable time to buy it. All right, so that's FedEx, FDX. What's your second pick? Second pick is Corvo. The symbol is QRVO. Uh, the company is a semiconductor stock, uh, and, and they focus on... Uh, connectivity in the communications sector. So they have mobile products and they also have infrastructure and defense-related products, all pointing to providing connectivity in this, in this wireless world. Uh, it, the company has had very good earnings growth. They've beaten their earnings estimates in each of the last four quarters. Uh, I think you're going to see a pretty strong beat here coming up when they do report, I believe, on May 5th. And uh, you can get this stock at still a reasonable price. And it's still, I think, one of the technology stocks that still offers value here because a lot of them have gotten stretched. Uh, you can buy the stock at, at 21 times its 2021 earnings estimate. And to me, in the semis, in an area that's going to continue to grow with 5G, et cetera, uh, this is a stock that I think will do quite well. It's Corvo, symbol QRVO, and it trades at $199 per share. And FYI, our clients and ourselves do own this, the two stocks I mentioned. Thanks so much. That is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. His two picks today, FedEx, FDX, and Quarvo, QRVO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.